percussive. Obsessive. Obsessive. Obsessive inversive. Okay, so we're live with um, episode two of Obsessive Conversive. I'm here with Maestro Daniele Bolelli. I think you I pronounced that correctly. You got it. Um, so I reached out to you because I first heard of you on Joe Rogan. I then, through Rogan, got into Duncan Trussell. Mm-hmm. I then got into the Drunken Taoist, and more recently, uh, got into History on Fire. Yeah. And I've been planning this podcast for a, like a long time, like over a year. <laughs> um, I genuinely didn't know how to, how to start. I, I envy the fact that you can sit there and talk to people who aren't there. <laughs> right, in the face-to-face aspect makes it easy. Yeah, it makes it much. I, I'll tell you a silly thing that I even tried doing um, during. Um, one of the main reasons I actually reached out to you was because um, I listened back to a few podcasts that you'd been on, and I, I wanted to get your take on this whole lockdown situation. Sure. Um, because it gave it like made me branch out a lot in my own life. Like I've I've got a I'm I'm sat in my shed at the moment. Um, okay and outside of my shed i've got a an amazing vegetable garden now i've got like 150 tomato plants i've got are you serious yeah yeah. i've got green beans i've got spinach i've got like all sorts and it i i sort of didn't go into what what do they call it doomsday prepper i did go into that mode but i was like do you know what if if something really bad happens i've got nothing so i was like right do you know what I've grown vegetables before. Let's give it a good crack. Right. Um, and I'd heard on, I think it may have been Duncan's podcast, I think, that you'd moved recently. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, wonder, I wonder how far Daniele got into, like, at what stage you got to? Were you buying bottled water? Were you buying canned goods? No, no, no. I'm very entry level, you know, I have uh, nowhere near the number of plants you got, but I have a decent chunk, you know, I have uh, maybe like eight raised beds back to back, so I have, I don't know, 15 tomatoes, a few eggplants, a few, so, you know, enough to spice things up where, hey, this is come straight from our garden. And yeah, yeah. Hot. And, but you know, it's very, cause I don't know what I'm doing realistically. So I'm yeah, you know, <laughs> up where I'm just figuring it out. It's like, Hey, this thing, you know, sometimes you have this thing, like you're growing things and this plant produce amazing. This one is dead. They are right yeah. next to each other. How can that even be? You know, and, and you don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. And yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I've, um, I've got to the stage, uh, where some pests have started to take over. Yeah, but I'm 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 really reluctant to get any pesticides or anything like that. And right. apparently, through the googling that I've done, you can uh, if you plant certain plants next to each other, that sort of deters yeah. pests yeah. and stuff. And so, I think this year is going to be a a bit of a um, experiment, shall I say? Oh, that's and, what's fun about it. It's like whatever comes is good. And then yeah, you learn- yeah. 
I did I did it when my daughter was very young and um I think it had a, an ongoing effect on her um cuz she's she's crazy in 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 terms of a a 12-year-old girl so she's starting to get the traits of a teenager so get getting up in the morning is is a big yeah. deal but I'll say to her, what, what do you want for lunch? And she'll just go in the fridge. She'll pick a load of fruit, a load of like salad leaves, some tomatoes, some uh, cucumbers. And then she's yeah. like, there's my lunch. I'm like, what? So you, you don't want any junk food? She's like, no, 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 it's fine. And, and when, but when she was like two, three years old, I, I grew little lettuces and a few tomatoes and things like that. And she would go out into the garden and pick them herself. And I think that did have a, sort of a knock-on effect i think because she kn- she knows where it comes from and she knows it tastes good it tastes better than in reality it tastes better than your candies and yeah and and your processed food she's not a, she really do, like e- even down to things like bread right she's not that first that's awesome and i mean and that's like that's already a huge effect and i noticed it on me too you know there are things that even i you know, maybe I had some radishes growing into the garden and I mm-hmm. ate them. I'm like, man, these things are amazing. Now I'm out of radishes. But then the next time I go grocery shopping, I'm like, hey, those things were actually really good. Let me get yeah, them yeah. again. Something that maybe I wouldn't have thought of buying otherwise. But now like my grocery shopping carts tend to be way healthier when I look at it. And I'm like, oh, look at that. And there's a connection. <laughs> you see this stuff grow, you get so excited about it. You enjoy it. You taste it. It's fresh. It's amazing. And then you're like, hey, this is dinner. This is what we do, you know, and yeah, it, yeah. Uh, makes it easier. So um, an anecdotal note. So I, um, I had to do a, a little bit of, bit of research just so that I had a, because obviously I, I, know, I know you as a personality, but I didn't know sort of your background so much. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things I, I wanted to go on, but the first anecdotal thing is that um, you went to the University of Cardiff Oh yeah, yeah. I so that's, that's literally up the road from where I live. Um, right, awesome. I, I live on the, the English-Welsh border in Hereford. Yeah. Um, oh, and I know a lot of people, I go to Cardiff quite often. Um, two, two good friends of mine, uh, one fights in the UFC at the moment, the other one oh. is a Cage Warriors uh, oh. champion. Uh, they're, they're soon to come on, but they've got fight camp, so I'm, I'm keen not to pester them too oh, much. I understand that um, don't necessarily get the best conversations out of fighters during fight camp. Yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're, oddly enough, their mind is elsewhere. Um, yeah. um, uh, I was just, what, how, how come Cardiff? Well, what happened was I had started, like I kind of stumbled upon a teaching career sort of by, not by mistake, but not really planning it either. So originally, I ended up like my first uh, graduate degree. I had a master's degree in American Indian studies, which is as odd as it gets. And part of the reason why I did it is just I needed a visa to stay in the country after I finished mm-hmm. my BA. And I was like, ah, I might as well. I already know that stuff pretty well. I might as well, you know, get a master, get two extra years of visa in US, and you know, then I can think about what I'm doing. By the time I got done and I realized, oh, you know, I can actually teach for a living and teach in college, I realized, yes, but with a master in American Indian studies, that's not exactly opening all kind of doors for me. 
So then I was like, you know what, at the bare minimum, I need to get a second master's in history in general so that it, it opens up more doors to be able to teach other classes other than just Native American history. So I did that. And then I realized, you know, maybe, maybe I do need to go because in US, I don't know how it is out there, but in US, the way it works is that a master degree is what's necessary to teach in like community college or some of the two-year colleges. And then yeah. for the four-year university, they may let you slide with one or they have you teach uh, or they want a PhD. Right. PhD clearly opens up a whole new possibilities. So then I, that's when I decided, you know, there's realistically, by then I was already teaching quite a bit. And I was like, there's no way that I can get into a PhD program with the full-time demand that it, that it has and still earn a living at the same time doing the teaching I'm doing. So doing research back and forth, you know, the only options were give up everything and join a PhD program so that maybe years down the road you got a job you want. Or uh, there were like crappy degrees from semi-fake universities. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work either. Yeah. And so eventually what I did was I decided to go the route of the... Um, I found Cardiff University because one of the things about Cardiff is that it was a reputable university, but it also gave the option that if you had done enough work on your own previously, it would allow you to do it mostly long distance, the PhD. And so I could just, uh, you know, visit once in a while, meet with the professors, and then a whole lot of the research and the work, I could just do it from home, you know, while I was working, while I was doing all my stuff. So I was like, okay, that's perfect. In the end, it kind of didn't work out anyway because I realized my brain is really not wired to be an academic. Like, I mean, I teach college by mistake, really, because I'm not built that way. Yeah. Um, and, and keep in mind, the people I work with at Cardiff were sweet, nice, good people. So not even the stereotype of the stuffed-up academic, you know, these yeah, were yeah. good people. But I could literally talk with, with them about anything. But when they would switch to academic mode, they would be like, like I would give them a draft of something and they would be like, oh, this is great. Yeah, very good work. Uh, but now here is what we need to change. And, and when they would start explaining what I would have to change, I literally had no idea what they were talking about. I would just go over the sentences and go like, I don't know what you're saying. You know, yeah, that yeah. would make any sense to me on any level. And that's when I realized, yeah, my brain is not quite wired the same way, you know. I, and at the same time, I was trying to launch History on Fire, and I'm like, you know, I can keep bashing my head against the wall, trying to fit into an academic box where I don't really fit very well. Or I can just keep teaching part-time the way I do, where I have fun, I have a great time with the students and start history on fire at the same time, which is something that I can, I can do. I can put the energy, the time, and it will lead to something. And so I decided to go that route and it worked out well. That's, um, that's, that was almost, um, my first guest, Rob, gave me a, a perfect closing sentence um, last week. And you've just given me almost a perfect opening mm -hmm. sentence, which is that your brain doesn't fire the same way no. <laughs> as, as there's and that's exactly why I started this podcast yeah. and um, the thoughts that I had initially is that there there's things that go on day to day that I swear to God I look at things completely different to other people 
um, which could, can maybe if if I can try and make this some sort of flowing podcast. Right. So if if you bring into some sort of current events, the the sort of cancel culture and stuff that, that is going on at the moment, I look at it and I just think the pe- the the people that are um, sometimes subject to it. You think, um, or or even the the quote unquote victims that sometimes maybe that this is what I mean. Sometimes they are. Are you a victim? Are you just tr- trying to? That I can't just go with the flow every time. Oh. I have to. I have to sit back and I have to think. Like, f- for example, the this this whole Corona thing, and then. Uh, the, towards the end of the the pandemic not the end of the pandemic but the mm-hmm. end of the lockdowns and stuff and then all of a sudden we've got riots and we've got this happening mm-hmm. you see you're seeing police officers doing stuff and i'm i'm sat there thinking are, are we in a film we're we in a movie because right. sure. yep. i find it hard to get like completely outraged and yep. also i am outraged and my brain is firing at a completely different angle i think sometimes i'm right. like of course like I, I can't believe it sometimes. I, I literally, like the the whole George uh, Floyd thing, yeah. uh, like the, I, I feel like I saw that before other people because not before other people was in the worldwide, but before a lot of people that I um, hang about with, like work colleagues and stuff, because I follow a lot quite an eclectic group of people on Twitter, just like yourself included and like Duncan and, and stuff. So I get information from the US as it happens. And I, I remember watching it. I showed it to my dad and I was like, dad, like what the, my, my dad's an ex, um, ex-military mm-hmm. ex-prison service. And my, my dad's immediate response was, well, he's, he's just doing his job. And I was like, you're crazy, right? Uh, <laughs> right. That dad he's not just doing his job yeah and then i had a long a really long conversation with my dad um and he was explaining um once i sort of explained to my dad what what was actually going on and the, you know the guy wasn't resisting arrest at the at the time he he was he was basically executed on on camera um and once my dad got his head my, my dad's uh, nearly 70 years old so he's he's got all He's, he still works in security and um, so he he still likes to have his gadgets and stuff. But oh. it's my my 12 year old daughter has a greater understanding of the Internet than my dad does. My dad can oh. use it. He loves oh. Amazon, but he uh, <laughs> but he, he, he yeah. like he sees something like that. And he's just like he's used to watching the news as the news yeah. is given to you. So once I explained it to him, he was like, well, that makes perfect sense. So when I was in the prison service, right, he, he said, I. I'd had officers come up to me and ask me to erase CCTV footage of, course. of what had just happened. And he was my, my dad's, um, he, he, he was basically in the military since he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So he's very straight laced. Like everything has to be as it is. And if you, if you try to get him to bend the rules, he's, he's like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm not deleting that CCTV footage. If you've done something on there that you shouldn't have done, right. That's on you. That's right. Um, right. And it was it was amazing to see his perception of that change so so very quickly because he could associate it to something. Um, and there's a few people that I've spoken to about it, and I, I tried to explain. I've got I worked in the states for for a while, 
and I worked with um, homeless children in New York City and right. did uh, summer camps with them. Um, and I got to see the, the indifference, should we say, that, that they were, that, which was their life, basically. Yeah, of course. Um, and I had to explain it to my 70-year-old dad. I was like, Dad, you, you don't, like, what your initial reaction is exactly what the virtual signaling and the, the white mm -hmm. privilege is exactly what people are talking about. They're not picking on you for being white. Right. It's just you don't understand what's going on in that situation. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're white. Especially, well, you're, you're English and white, so it's slightly yeah. different over here. Sure. And, um, yeah, so it's fun. I've sort of just covered about three subjects there in a row. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm still relatively new to this, so, and I'm trying to do it without notes. I've made a few mental notes, but um, I will go off on those um, sort of tangents a little bit, Daniele. But, um, no, but that's true. I mean, there is that uh, some of it is generational, some of it is, I mean, that's the reality. It's like everybody look at the world through some particular lenses, right? You have lenses that come from how you grew up, from your education, from what you have been exposed to, from your ethnic background, from the nation you're in, from, you know, there are 10 gender, there are a million different things, religion, gender, things that kind of shape your perception of reality. And so in that sense, just so as not to be the classic, uh, you know, my way is the right way, my way of looking reality is the only way, it is definitely a healthy thing to do, to be able to really put yourself into somebody else's shoes and not rush to a judgment on a situation, but really look at it from multiple angles. I mean, I personally find it useful, even people that I absolutely despise, try to put myself, why are they doing what they are doing? What is that make them click? Now, maybe I disagree with every single answer they provide to the problem, but do I at least understand why, why they feel that there's a problem? And, you know, many people confuse understanding with justifying. They are not. Yeah. They are two completely different things. You know, if you, are, if you are hunting down a serial killer, you want to understand them. You're not course, just yeah. find them, but you want to understand what, why they do what they do. What is that makes them, why their brain works the way it does. And I think it's the same way. It's like in many cases, then you'll end up, uh, you know, some cases where it's not the serial killer, you'll end up understanding somebody on a deeper level and that initial knee-jerk judgment against them won't be there because you really understand where they are coming from and you understand that they may have good reasons for it, you know? Yeah, in yeah. other cases, they may not have good reasons, but at least you understand more the dynamics of the situation rather than just saying, well, it's because so-and-so is evil. It's like, yeah, sure, the behavior may be, but we can try to figure out what the process that leads to it because in light of more information, you can make just better decision on how to deal with this person. That's it. Yeah, and to be honest, that, that swings me back to um, your your podcast in a little bit and History on Fire. I, I I listened to it around about the same time that I got into Dan Carlin, mm -hmm. and I think I think that was a Rogan spinoff. I'd heard him talk about it, so I looked into it. I right. then noticed it was like a it was a a suggested podcast, so I listened to it. And I've got to say, Dan Ellie, I love listen like it's. It, very surreal to me to be hearing you talk to me because I'm used to hearing you talk about other people and um, 
what you just said then um i i recently re-listened to the crazy horse series that you did mm-hmm. yep. which i've got to say is absolutely it's it's what it's up there if not better than um the first ones i listened to of dan's and i know i know you're a big fan of dan's but honestly oh. i've been captivated listening back to it i've like there's not a stone you haven't um, turned over at all. And what you just said then about not justifying, but maybe seeing why Mm -hmm. uh, you did that with a few of, um, I I wouldn't call them adversaries that, um, that he had, but you'd give the perspective to why they may have done something. And I, I loved history at school. Mm-hmm. But I hated the fact that it was always like a such a. I, I don't know if I was told at a young age, but it was always like history is always told from the eye of the victor. Sure. And to hear somebody giving the two sides is like you. You make your own decision up on mm-hmm. whether or not. Um, I I thought that was brilliant. Um, and to be honest, I I spent a lot of time actually over the last couple of days just googling the different. Like personality, shall I say? I, I don't want to call them characters. They seem like characters to me yeah. because I'm, I've right. listened to them in story form and haven't yeah. researched any of it myself until I was like, oh, "I'll look at this." And uh, another thing that um, I didn't realize because I didn't fully listen to the last episode because sort of ran out of time, had to go to work, had to sort my daughter out, and I listened to it today, um, probably about midday, and I didn't realize that crazy horse hadn't had his photograph taken um, or anything like that and when you google him there is Mm -hmm. the first google image does look like a photo but it's not an actual confirmed photo of him is it it's a there are a couple that float around that are suggested as but they're most of them have been either confirmed that they are not him Mm -hmm. or there's at least strong debate on whether it's but probably it's not you know probably there's nothing of him so where where did the the whole Native American Native Indian American Indian thing come from that? for you? Was it just curiosity? I don't know because it's been from such an early age that I have no memory of before. You know, I don't remember one day when I woke up and I was like, I'm into it. It's like every memory I have, I was always into it. So it's kind of like it goes back to such. And who knows what I saw? Who knows what triggered it? Did they show a Western movie on TV? Did they do? I that know. was that's what I thought because um, obviously on History on Fire you have the um, the Ecstasy of Gold as the yeah as the as the theme tune and um, that's quite funny. My brother does a mental health podcast, mm-hmm. and for the longest time he had that as as his thing. I, I've I've recently redone. A, um, a theme song for him as, as yeah. an original because right. he puts a lot of stuff out on YouTube. Yeah. And I always say to him, you got to be really careful because of copyrights and, of and, and things like that. And I don't know the, where to get the, the rights for things like that. So it's, yeah, it's that probably was a best. Thing. That was a thing. Like for History on Fire, I actually did get the rights to use yeah. it. And pretty much nobody does it in podcasting. Everybody just yeah. steals from everywhere. And, you know, Technic, everybody does it, but technical is not okay. So it's, but you know, I didn't want to run into problems down the road. So, and it's I, also, I think, look, um, like I said, the guy I had on um, last week, um, a guy that I've known for a long time, Rob, he's a musician, 
mm-hmm. and um, he actually gave me the rights to um, to to use his his music is um, like hardcore punk, and he he gave me the rights a long time ago when I was still running my gym. Um, so I'd use them on my gym videos Perfect. and for me, it fit perfectly, but for, um, for potential clients, shall we say Less right. the type of training I did, um, it, it, it potentially scared a lot of people away, but, um, I, cause I've, I've spoke to a few people and they've said about, um, there's ways around the the whole copyright thing, like slowing the music down or speeding it up a couple of beats per minute. Yeah. But my brain always went back to Rob. Yeah. And it was always like, no, he gave me the rights as an yeah. artist. Yeah. And I, I would have been more than happy, like to say, like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll pay you a little bit if you like. Sure. For right. it, because I think... People, people are um, disengaged with, with, with the music industry and stuff because well, not just music, just any anything. Like people are stealing clips all the time yep. from different different shows and things like that, and using them to their own advantage. And when you actually know somebody that has created something, absolutely. In, in the same way as I'm, I'm creating something now. You create something with history on fire. If somebody was making money out of you, yeah, yeah. like come on. Come yeah, on, you don't, like you don't need to do that. Um, and even with stuff like that, you know, you have, uh, if you are using music from a hundred years ago, well, the artists are dead and the only people yeah. making money are like a corporation that owns the rights. Okay, that I don't mind if people take left and right. Yeah. But when artists are alive, and especially when artists are alive and they don't live in a $40 million mansion, then where really you sending them $2 won't make any difference the um, otherwise it's just a nice thing to do you know and it doesn't it's, not, it's an acknowledgement and i think a lot of artists um appreciate the acknowledgement it's like oh you thought you thought that my, my song was good enough to use for something and you've acknowledged the fact that i made this not you yep. i think artists appreciate that yeah, and again, it doesn't have to, because sometimes if you're broke, you're broke. But it, it can be almost symbolical. But giving a dollar versus zero dollar is a huge difference. Even to yeah. practically, nobody's going to notice it. Neither the person for whom the dollar is coming in nor the person who's giving it. That's not going to make any difference. But it does make a difference, in uh, both symbolically and also if the numbers are high enough. You know, if you're talking about yeah. uh, 100,000 people who give you a dollar. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's so $100,000, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it's, uh, yeah, and I think that's important because the problem with the whole everything for free kind of gig is that people forget that there's a lot of work that goes into creating yeah. content. I am, um, I've got a completely different understanding of that now. Like I've been an avid podcast listener mm-hmm. for, I think you did something like Rogan 141. Yeah. And I think I've been listening since one. Wow, um, and I've, I've more or less listened to every every single one, right. at, at least in some part. There's some that I've just been like, that. "Nah, can't. It's not for me." Yeah. But um, I've always been like, "Yeah, I want to get that done." I tried it a few years ago um, yeah. when I was still gymming, and it was going to be sort of a gym-based podcast. And 
I, I soon realized that that like the when I was instructing and coaching and stuff, that wasn't enough of my personality right. to create a decent content. Yeah. And it, it could be age as well. Like I've experienced a lot more now. Of um, course. That makes a difference. And also now I found that this this side of me is my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's going to take me a few episodes, which and luckily I've had uh, Rob last week and you this week, and it's um, it's good to have good people that are already good at talking. <laughs> um, so it allows me to shut the fuck up <laughs> for, yeah. for a little while and think about the next thing I'm going to say. Yeah. But, um, uh, it's um, it's a great credit to people like Joe and Duncan and Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Callan, people like that that have been doing it for a long time and they still come up with new content sure. and they come up with new ways of, of, of taking their, their show we'll call it a show, it, it is a show and still keep it interesting right. because like for, like for me today, like I didn't want to just sit down with you and have just my knowledge of who you are what podcasts you've been on, um, your own podcast. I wanted to like, I wanted to know where, where were you born? You know, stuff like that. And it's important because right. I was going to ask you, like, uh, I'm not sure if you are a soccer fan, but you Inter or you AC. You know, it's funny because I growing up in Italy where everything all the time is soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Being a snobbish little bastard, I was like, everybody's into it so i'm not gonna care i, I do you know what? i i almost knew you were gonna say that i, I had uh, oh so i was ridiculously into basketball because the national sport and so yeah. i was like totally into i mean i don't get me wrong you know i would watch soccer and but i didn't have the same uh, classic italian mold of it's all soccer 24 yeah. 7 you know it's like i'll watch it i'll enjoy it but i did I was like, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to yeah. watch basketball, which of course is silly, but you know, when you're a kid, sometimes that's how you assert your identity. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess that sort of shit, that's who you are, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in some way it makes me a little smile because it's like, you little shit. You just <laughs> have one occasion to try to be different or something. But, but um, I'm not sure what was this. I think it might have been the Drunken Taoist or... It might have been. No, it wasn't. It it was uh, two or three days ago. Uh-huh. It made me smile because I've got a, a parody to my my daughter mm-hmm. in this, and a lot of people say how much they see me in my daughter. Right. And um, you were talking about the original punk rock. Oh yeah. And uh, you were saying about your car journey, and you were mm-hmm. listening to the Clash. Yep. My daughter's recently got into the Clash because of Stranger Things. First. And um, she started liking music that, that a year or two ago she'd been like, "Shut up, Dad, turn that off." Right. But now all of a sudden it's cool. And the fact that your daughter said to the police officer, "Leave him alone. He didn't. Uh, he didn't know what he was doing. He was just listening to the music." Yeah, of course. That sounds a lot like Daniele not being into football. Soccer. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it, how your 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 kids they they do things and you go, oh, 
I see where that come from. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely me there. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. No, it's fun. It's funny. It's uh, and sometimes it's comical. Yeah, when you see it at a very young age, and you're like, yeah. "Wow, there's a personality there." That's yeah. it. And you know, you both recognize yourself, and you don't, because sometimes some stuff is like you can clearly see the inspiration, mm-hmm. and other ways you see how they are running with it in their own ways, and so yeah. it's like. Oh, Cool. You know, it's not just a mini-me kind of thing. It's like there is actually a, a person there who's taking some stimuli they are receiving and they are re-elaborating it in their own way. In their own way, yeah. That's, um, I get like, I, I don't really want to make this uh, all about our daughters, but um, there's, because of lockdown, I've, I've had to do the homeschooling and um, I, so, I sort of have always done more or less what i was told to do mm-hmm. um apart from the fact that i i was never able to join the military in the same way my brother was because i'm asthmatic mm-hmm. and definitely can't be asthmatic and be and go yeah. and kill people but um <laughs> i i then went down the whole right okay i'll get a sports science uh diploma yep. I'll, I'll become a gym instructor and there, you know there was this it's not a bad thing my you know my old man was always like if you're going to be a, a bin man then you'd be the best bin man sure of course um so I, I applied that to as best i could anyway um to the gym setting or when i did care work or when i worked in new york with um homeless kids uh but the the quirky side of me was always suppressed it was always like stop being weird of course um and that sort of came out more with my, when I had my gym, I got a lot more into photography. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of Mark Twight? No. Uh, he, he had a gym in Utah called Jim Jones that he set up, okay. which was a, um, it was a bit of a, like an anti CrossFit sort okay. of gym, okay. but not, but not at the same time. It was just a group of mates, but they didn't adhere to the everybody's welcome thing. It was more of a sit on the porch. And if you, if you sit on the porch long enough, you can come in. Right. Um, but all the imagery was in black and white, and I like I was drawn to it, and I started not copying, but being inspired by that that type of photography, sure. Um, and and that sort of thing. And it wasn't until sort of my my mid twenties that it was all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, Darren, you you did actually really like art. You liked, mm-hmm. um you like drama, you like doing all of that stuff at high school, but because you were good at sports and because you found coaching early on, it wasn't the sort of done thing to, um, to be interested in that. Yet my daughter is a way better sports person than I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I think I, I did a video recording of her running the 200 meters for her, um, I think I think it, I think the, the grades and years work out about the same. So she's in, she was in year six, so I think year six works about, about sixth grade. So she was, well, a year younger than she is now. So she's sort of like ten, eleven. She was two seconds off the world's women, uh, at the world record for the two hundred meters. Right. Which I know is a long time, but yeah, uh, but at not, ten, eleven years old, I was I, I had to check the video back about four times. I was like, no, that is. That that's the time that she's done that's crazy. but you give her a pencil you get you like she, she's got um i joked about this on my last 
my daughter gets my dad's hand-me-down. So my when my dad gets bored of a gadget, uh, Georgie gets gets it. So she's got an iPad Pro with an Apple Pencil. She can do stuff on there that I've been learning to do on Photoshop for years yeah. in terms of manipulating light and stuff. Like, she does it like that. Just yeah. knows how to do it. She can see she can see art in everything, and it's like it's funny because I, I look at it and go, I wonder if it would have been different if I, there wasn't so much onus on sports for me when I was younger. Would because of how I think now, I, I kind of think, well, maybe you know, very, very likely. Where I, in fact, and that's interesting because it shows you how we are can really go in a bunch of different ways. It's not like there's this monolithic thing that's predestined. You know, there are certain tendencies that you're going to be much better. There are certain things that are more in sync with who you are. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, if you end up doing one thing eight hours a day and they become your identity, that's not to say that if you had gone through path B and did that eight hours a day, that wouldn't have been amazing. Sometimes there are, you know, I don't think there's one thing for everybody. There's probably two, three, four, five things for everybody where to different degrees there's potential there yeah have you had to do some homeschooling yeah 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 sure i mean um, you've obviously got a bit more i mean i've got teaching experience but in a different setting and my, my teaching experience is usually get up and stop crying and pick the weight up again right um your, your teaching experience is obviously a more academic way of it how, yeah, how do you yeah. how do you find teaching your daughter because i found it increasingly hard because i'm as big softy when it comes to my daughter right. i don't so. do a whole lot in the sense that you know she had things that are like some of her books and stuff that she has to do from her school and so when it came to things like math i'm like yeah good luck you're on your own i have no <laughs> idea exact same exact but, same subject as well <laughs> you know when he, she was doing history and then, you know, I look at the history book and it's like, it's really boring, right? And so I'm like, okay, let me, let me read these uh, 10 pages you have to read. So you read them too. Let me read them as well. Okay. Now I can tell you got nothing out of them because you're just bored and it doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you the same thing, 10 pages in a way that actually is going to capture your interest. So let me tell you, you know, and, and you provide a little bit of context and vibe and energy to the whole thing. And suddenly, who was uh, character A in history, who interacted with character B, there's so much more behind it that you actually care for them. You see the world through their eyes and now you're interested. And so things like that are easy because that's what I do anyway. Yeah, I was going to say that's exactly what you do in, in your podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, just um, the way the way you went into um, the different, the different names that were given to people. Sure. Um, including cluster. Right. And the, what, what do they call him? Long hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was uncharacteristic and it like, just something like that made me think it was like, it's, it's really funny because like you see some of the names and um, I looked into, I can't remember who it was. Is it speckled tail? spotted tail that was that, yeah. Yeah. and i think it was i think it was him or it might have been uh, who does what the, 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 the names like yeah. but I, I i quickly had a, a google and the, the, some of them had different names didn't they sure. one of yeah. one of them's other name was worm oh yeah, um, yeah. and so, I, I, I really slipped my mind who it was um that was busy or father um and it's it's funny, isn't it? How 
even something as simple as a, a name uh -huh. changes how you see a character. Oh yeah, of course. Like if you just refer to them as worm, yeah, you'd immediately have a different perspective. Oh yeah, on how that person was. Like you, crazy horse. Yeah, you immediately think, well, he's he's got something about him. Yeah, but if his name was just worm, yeah, not so exciting. It's not not just not so exciting. It's a bit like really. Yeah, exactly. What the hell's worm gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. It's. Uh, uh, and I think that's what's fun about doing this. Like, it's fun about uh, developing character. It's the same in a way as if you were to write fiction, except that this is real and you just flesh out the characters in a more interesting way. Mm -hmm. And then for other stuff, it's easy because um, I don't have to do much because my daughter reads so much on her own. She just, uh, she, I mean, literally, like when she starts a book some days, it's like, she'll read a book in the shower. She'll balance the book on the outside of the shower, look at it through the thing as she's lathering her hair. And I'm like, you can stop for a minute, you know, it's okay if you don't yeah, yeah. read for a minute. I've, I've, I've had that because I've, I've bought, um, bought my daughter the same, not the same books, but I've, I've bought her some books and it's been one that she's expressed an interest in. Uh -huh. And... I spoke to her teachers a couple of times. I was like, listen, like, I'm doing my best here, but I'm getting information overload. I'm not a teacher. I, yeah. I don't know how to. And there was basically make sure she's reading plenty. Yeah, exactly. Make sure she does a little bit of math. Yeah. Um, look over core subjects like science. Make sure she's active. Make sure she's doing those things. She'll be fine for next. She's only in the first year of high school. So other than missing out on first sports days, uh, seeing her friends. Right. She's not missing out on a great deal. Her first no, year is, is just there to settle in. Next year is going to be a bit more full on. So I, I'd be like, what books do you like reading, George? She'd give me a few titles, get them. I'd say, right, you've got to do half an hour's reading. That's all you need to do. Next thing, she'd come back to me an hour later. I finished that one, Dad, can I have another? Like, yeah, that cost me 15 quid. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. At least take some time over it. But now right. she, she's exactly that. I don't know if this is um, like two guys talking here, having no experience of teenage girls other than your experience as a teenage boy with teenage right. girls. Right. Because it's a completely different... Like If my mum had given me a book when I was that age, I'd be like, yeah, all right, I'm going outside. I'm going to go and right. play in the mud. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I th maybe maybe girls are just a little bit different, and it's a, it's, it's quite a nice, yeah. Because I'm literally enjoying every stage of this. Yeah, of course. It really is a journey, as much as it is for them growing up. For me, as a dad, I'm literally, I, a lot of the time, I'm literally like amazed. I'm like, did I do that when I was your age? Because this uh, is uh, this, you're clearly a genius. Yeah. <laughs> and she's probably not. She's probably just like the same as any other teenage girl. But it's like. This is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, it's impressive. It's one of the things where it's uh, it's fun to see how somebody's brain can work. And yeah, you get excited, you get blown away, you get like, wow, it's like this is not at all what what you would expect to be normal. And and you know that's that's what the fun of being a parent, right? Is when you have yeah, yeah. and clearly some kids make it a lot easier than others. <laughs> 
because with some kids is more drama and problems at every three steps and when it's not like that that helps things considerably yeah um, right now is like sitting right here uh, my because it's her birthday tomorrow so my dad got her some gifts and i see i just look at the cover of this book i'm laughing my ass off because she's reading she's not reading pride and prejudice which would be oh it's a classic no yeah. it's pride and prejudice and zombies and zombies <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, they are adding an horror twist to a classic, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, I I find um, if I were my daughter, I have a lot of similar interests, but she, it's not cool. So she'll um, until she brings it to me. For example, the Clash, listening to it from um, Stranger Things. I'm like, I listen to that all the time, George. She's like, really? Right. Oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> for like 10 minutes and so right but if i say i put on something like nirvana or the yeah. foo fighters she, other than songs that i've played to her since she was very very little on the sure. guitar that always used to be a, a like a nighttime ritual yeah because I'd, I'd sit on the end of her bed sing yeah. a sing a couple of songs by the third chord she was fully asleep anyway it was just a way of me oh, practicing but she um other than that like you're like, hey George, listen to this bit of Nirvana if you like Clash. She's like, No, he's just Hello. shouting. But I can guarantee in a year's time she'll be walking around in a Nirvana t shirt. Of course, of course. Asking me to buy her some ripped jeans and all that's, the rest of it. That's pretty uh, funny. So in in terms of the the podcast history on fire, you've mm-hmm. taken it to a different platform now, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, well, here is the problem with podcasting, which is sort of what we were touching on earlier, that being a, you know, a free medium where people consume podcasting for free. Um, how do podcasters make their money? I mean, it's different if you're having a podcast where there's minimal preparation involved, maybe making money or not is not as important. But if you have to work like a dog, like, you know, what I have to do for each episode of History on Fire is probably at least 100 hours of work, if not 200. It's a full-time job. So Mm -hmm. it needs to pay because you just can't, you know, otherwise you would have to, in order to do that, you cannot have another full-time job. So it needs to pay. And clearly there's the problem of here is a, it's a free product that you put out there and yet it needs to pay you a full-time salary. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that clearly is that the traditional model is, you know, you do ads, which uh, for one, it's tricky because you can only put so many ads before people start yelling at you for saying, hey, you took 10 minutes to get to the yeah. stuff, but there's too many ads. So there's that. Plus, they don't pay you that much um, unless you have an insane audience that's off the chart. Because yeah. I mean, I have a pretty big audience and even then it's like, it's okay, but it's not that great you get uh, people donating to the podcast. But again, that's probably like maybe 1% of listeners. So that again doesn't help them. It helps, but not that much. So then it becomes kind of an issue, especially now, for example, post-pandemic, like advertising for podcasting has collapsed by 75%. Yeah, Yeah, the thought. If if I had to rely just, if that was my system and suddenly 75% of my income has gone from one day to the next, that would make the podcast pretty impossible to continue carry on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I don't, of course, nobody likes paywalls. It sucks. You know, it would be nice to have them for free or everybody can access. 
but the simple economic reality is that unless people support the podcast in one way or another, in some cases it becomes kind of not feasible. And so when I had an offer from a company saying, look, we'll let you keep all your old episodes, they remain free. So if people discover the podcast anew, they have like mm-hmm. 50 episodes to listen to. Um, you give us 15 episodes a year. And I was like, okay, what about this? Dan Carlin only releases two new episodes per year and he still has a good audience. If I have to create 15 episodes, I want two of those episodes to be released for free. So people still get something for free. Yeah. And then if they want more, they pay whatever. It's actually really, it's like $5 a month or something like that that you pay for a subscription, not just to my podcast, but to a bunch of others that are on the network. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, considering you guys pay me well, I don't have to worry about other stuff. I can focus on the podcast. I still have a bunch of free content out there. I still get to produce some free content every year. And then I get paid well for the rest. I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. It's on. Um, I, but I literally had something come up on my Twitter earlier, and I think it was from one of those guys that... Um, from the gym that I was talking about earlier and it was somewhere like it wasn't the New York times, but it was a big newspaper mm-hmm. and they tweeted out about people unsubscribing for their, for, for their, their online content or whatever. Right. And the person had retweeted it and said, if people care about your content, they won't unsubscribe. And to be honest, um, I didn't realize that you'd gone a separate way until I was, I went onto the History of Fire website today because I wanted to look at the artwork from, Mm -hmm. from Crazy Horse. And there was another one I wanted to, uh, the, the Blackout Ripper. I I wanted to look at the artwork that you you spoke about. And I was like, oh, let's have a look. I I couldn't find it. I was like, fucking hell, what's going on? Sure. It said on there. And then I realized, oh, you've changed platforms. And I immediately then was like, okay, this week I'm going to subscribe because I want to hear, I want to hear about the battle of little Bighorn. <laughs> I, do you know what I mean? Uh, I just started listening about the, the Greek punk rocker guy. Yeah. I remember his name is Diogenes. That's it. Diogenes. Um, I want to hear more about stuff yeah. like that. And, I think you're right. If if you're if you're someone like Rogan, and um, or within Rogan's circle in that respect, and you get similar sponsorships and stuff, of course you can make a decent amount of money off yeah. that. But they're not giving out information like you are. They're they're literally going. This is what I've got. This guest. Um, yeah. Exactly. This going to give. Well, similar to what I'm doing yeah. here and now, but. It's like I've got this guest. There's not a great deal of preparation, but for for me there was because I didn't want to look like a dickhead. Of course. Um, uh, but for a, a lot of the most popular podcasts, they just vibe off each other. And yeah, if people like either the guests they've got or the 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 show host, they're going to watch it anyway, or they're going to listen. Therefore, they're going to have the clicks. They're going to have it. To, Someone like yourself, you're giving out information. Like for me, I'm a bit of a bit of a geek. So mm-hmm. as soon as I get into something like it, whether it's Star Wars or now, now I'm 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 all over Crazy Horse. I'm gonna be. 
I've I've always had a bit of an affinity to Native Americans because um, a a it's, this is a funny one for you a a Malaysian guy that I used to work for um, in his restaurant mm-hmm. um, gave me a, a poster when I was about fourteen years old washing his dishes uh, of a of a chief called White Cloud. I've mm-hmm. never looked actually. Uh, this is something I'm going to do this evening. I'm going to find out who. Who the fuck White Cloud was? Right. But I had a poster, and it was like sort of early to no, it would have been late nineties, and it had some like phrase, and I was always like, yeah, that's cool, that's really chill, man. And I stick that up in my in my bedroom, and I'm gonna look at that rather than listen to Tupac and getting angry at everything. Um, And then when I went to America, we um, well, I had three units. And each unit had several huts that the children lived in, in the, in the woods, in Harriman State Park, which is near Monroe in upstate New York. Um, and they were all named after different tribes mm-hmm. or nations or, you know, I'm not sure, 100% sure on the, the PC thing yeah, well, for all that. I, I just go off what, what it was when I was there. Um, so we had like things like Blackfoot, which I was always like, bollocks. That's not a name. That's not a name, but turns out it was. Yeah. Um, Seminole, um, obviously Apache, um, Navajo, things like that. And we also did, which I'm not even sure, nowadays you probably wouldn't be able to do it, but we did um, a council fire, mm-hmm. which right. you sort of described a similar thing in when the um, Lakota did the piercings with mm-hmm. the... Um, Sundance, 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 yeah. Um, and it, but it was a slightly watered down version of that, and they would, they would, they would, um, sort of act out um, a great fight between demons and great warriors, and it was the different, the different, um, different nations that we had, even things like walking into the circle where we had the big, this huge fire, had to walk different ways because that was part of their ceremonial dance. Some people would walk heel toe. Some mm-hmm. people would walk toe and then push their feet out. And right. it was all part of the whole thing, which like I said, you probably couldn't do now because is it cultural appropriation? They call it. Yeah. I mean, it gets basically we, we dressed up like, yeah, um, yeah. like natives and, yeah, you can get but it, it came from a good place. It wasn't, we, yeah, nobody awesome. was awesome. I, understand. I completely understand. And for, for like, me being from from England and going over and bit, I got given like a major role in this. Mm-hmm. I um I got to be one of the demons and got to to fight it out in front of the fire and all the kids were like, <gasps> and you know the, these were mostly black and Hispanic kids that would never right. have been exposed to any sort of Native American culture. And you know I, I'm as you can see I'm quite dark skinned and got <laughs> really long hair, so you know. To them, I, I probably look a bit like Crazy Horse, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, Native, right. that Native Americans don't even like being called Native Americans, do they? I think. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like everybody uses a different one, and you know, most people are cool with whatever. You know, Native American, American Indian, Indigenous people. It's all like everybody tends to have their pet's name, but more or less, they they're all all right. Yeah, because um. Canadian first natives, nation. First Nation. Yeah, yeah. That always seems. Just go with that. That seems um, <laughs> a lot more 
blanketable, doesn't it? First, like, we were here first, sort of thing. Um, yeah, but I mean, the whole cultural appropriation thing is messy because I understand there are two sides to that equation. You know, on one end, there is the, it's a global world. And speaking of yeah. cultural appropriation is demented today because it's like everybody's borrowing from everybody else. You know, every single person who's alive is doing things, listening to things, eating things that come from all over the globe. So the idea that one ethnicity has a monopoly over something that their ancestors created is ridiculous. So start with that. On the other hand, I do understand to balance things out a little bit on the other side. I do understand that if you have some uh, um, random white person who shows up and say, you know, I studied with so-and-so and I'm now going to charge you $3,000 to turn into a Lakota shaman over three easy weekends, yeah. that's shady as hell and is obviously exploitative. Now, most things are somewhere in between. You know, they are yeah. not that exploitative, but they are, there is an element that's a little complicated. So it's something to be, I think the extreme positions of these are stupid because to argue, hey, it's a global world, everybody grab from everyone else. I agree, but at the same time, you can also take it too far and no, you shouldn't yeah. be the one who's completely stealing somebody's culture in a way that's commercializing it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, you shouldn't be the one who's like policing the skin color of who eats what food or listen to what music, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So a lot of it, I think, goes to intentions. A lot of it goes to certain practices, how they are taken by other people. Like, you know, if, for example, if a particular culture tend to have a nearly unanimous opinion over a topic, you know, if, let's say, the native things, if they, most natives don't want to be used for mascots, for team sports, yeah, then just get rid of it. What's the big deal? Just don't that, you know, it's, you're not honoring people if they say they are not honored by it. Mm -hmm. So just done, you know, and ultimately it's bullshit anyway. It's mascots. Who cares? It's not. The I, I wondered that about a few of the, the baseball and um, NFL teams. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like the Washington Redskins. Like, yeah. I, surely. I, I, th I think I read somewhere that they were absolutely like, nope, we are not changing it. So. I, yeah, that to me is like, I mean, it's a weird, like, out of all the things to fight in the world, that seems to mm -hmm. be like of the least important. But at the same time, if you have the people that are uh, the object of this stuff, who don't want to be all the object of this mm -hmm. stuff, it's closed, done, just don't do it, you know, it's yeah, not big. On the I mean, other hand, the argument that people shouldn't be able to listen to certain music or eat certain food or dress a certain yeah. way. That's stupid. It's like, come on, man, you live in a global world. Relax a little bit. Nobody's, uh, and again, if Levi's or whatever, I don't know why the hell I became up with Levi's, but take any big corporation, decide to start their own line of products using a traditional design for a particular culture and they make a bank on it. Eh, okay, I see how that's a little shady. Yeah. But if a random artist X decide to include some inspiration that they got from a different culture in their work, it's a different story. You know, a lot of it boils down to who's doing it, not just the principle. It's the power dynamics behind it. You know, if a gigantic corporation uses an iconography that's traditional in a really poor culture, I can see a problem there. Yeah. But if uh, you or me do the same thing in our own creativity, that's different. That's a different setup because it doesn't have that same... Uh, you know, giant corporation versus one smaller culture kind of thing.
Yeah. Yeah, I was I was worried for a second because I actually started going over in my head. I was like, I I did dress up in full Native yeah. American, but also all stuff that I was provided with. I will I will say sure. from from the camp, which was called Wakanda, which uh, I think means Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Well, and that's another thing that you have to get into it. To some of it is negotiable, right? It's like if uh, let's say you have a good chunk of natives who think like, eh, what the hell, why not? It's, if it makes you excited and makes you more open to our culture, who cares? That's fine. Where, where I worked was also on like ancient uh, native trails as well. They were, they were marked out and don't know who marks them out, but they're, they're all marked out by certain things. And you get to certain places and it gave you an explanation of the walk you've just done right and um yeah so if it, for, for me doing doing all of that stuff was like um it wasn't so much a i'm just doing it because i'm working here I, I was actually genuinely interested and i felt a part of something when albeit we did have the the first year that we did it we we had a she she wasn't fully native american but she like her her grandmother was or or something and she was very much into keeping the the local culture yeah and anybody that was of any descendant of anybody from that local area all together and that's where the powwows came into it and stuff and she came to the thing went through the headdresses and stuff that we were wearing and why you would wear them the the, the war paints that we had to put on yeah. um and she even taught us some some native american for how even the children had to learn it because they weren't allowed to clap and stuff when things were going on they'd have to say nunwe mm-hmm. which in I, I can't remember the language or um or where it came from but it was very much like during uh the council fire nobody except the people either participating or the chief would speak unless the chief said nunwe which meant good right then everybody would join in and then you continue with the next like act so to speak of the council take something like that right it's like i think an easy way to solve something like that is get a tribe involved say hey we're doing this because this is our goals we want to expose the kids to some of the culture we want this and that but of course we want to do it in a respectful way so mm-hmm. we would appreciate your feedback in what you think you know how this could be done how could it could be run and you can throw ideas and some they'll go like oh sure that's good or uh, that and here is why that's problematic and then you work it out together boom yeah. problem solved you know you come up with the plan together done People are happy because you are including them and you are giving them a voice in this and now they are, are represented and you're not just running with it because it's just what's on your mind. And, you know, and that's fair. And, and again, it's not an all or nothing, right? It's like you can still do it, but you do it in a way that includes the people you're representing in the conversation. Yeah, perfect. It's like, um, say I, I come over to the States and you take me to an English pub and I mm-hmm. walk in and go, this ain't an English pub, mate. Right, of course. Right. This is, and the same as if you go into an Italian restaurant. Sure. And you order something and 
you you taste it and you go yeah it's it's not on, on a much larger scale obviously but of course, of course. obviously somebody from from a local tribe or nation or did you call them agencies on the on the, and, uh, some of the reservations early on were referred to as agencies, agencies. Is, is that is that a, a a united states thing that they would give them an agency Cause I, cause yeah. I, I wondered about that when i was listening i was like why is he calling them agencies yeah initially like places like uh, pine ridge you know like pine ridge reservation today was um you know used to be a red cloud agency you know so things like that where it's a little bit of uh, the terminology has changed over time some of the meanings have changed but that's basically how it works right it used to be agency now it became reservations in uh, in canada is the reserves is like you know the terms change a little bit but more or less yeah. we'll refer to the same stuff okay so um Daniele, it's been absolutely Honestly, out of this world to have you as my second guest. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, is there anything that you'd like to sort of promote to my one listener I'll probably have um, over the next? All three of that now. The, um, no, I mean, you know how it works. We live in, uh, as we're saying, we live in a global world, right? Google yeah. is your friend. You can, if anything of the stuff we're talking about interests you, you can check out the podcast. You can check out anything by just Googling it somewhere and uh, finding mm -hmm. out. So that's the easy way to go about it. Okay, well, cool. I'll, um, I, I know you're, you're a busy man. You've got lots, lots of stuff to probably do today. Um, uh, just to I give mean, you a preview you know, today, uh, other than taking care of my daughter today, I have to um, dive in deep into research. I'm looking at Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor. Oh, you know, stoic philosopher who lived in the middle of a pandemic and warfare all at the same time. So there was a giant smallpox epidemic that killed 10% of the Roman Empire while he was emperor. So that seems like a fitting topic. Yeah, and, I'm sure uh, it would do a damn sight better than uh, Trump and Johnson. Yeah, that's <laughs> doesn't take much, but yes, that's the so that's what I'm going to be researching the rest of the day. But Daniele, can we do this again? Of course, absolutely. That'd be perfect. Thank you so much for giving me the time and responding to my message. Uh, it's, it means an awful lot. Um, I'm probably going to go now and uh, I'll, I'll probably listen to another one of your, your podcasts <laughs> and be like, I just spoke to that guy. <laughs> but, um, awesome, thank man. You, thank I... you so much, honestly. So much appreciation. Your work is fantastic. And um, let's, let's do it again. A couple of weeks' time, a couple of months' Perfect. time, whatever, whenever you're free. Awesome. We'll make Thank it happen. You. Thank you so much, Danielli. Thank you. Have a great one.